I did that yesterday. And I have a little. Le- I have a little Lego Big Ben here in your honor. Oh, nice! I haven't. Uh, I've got that set. I haven't built it yet. And a uh, little Lego John Hancock Center, which is one of the uh, skyscrapers in Chicago. I ran across those when I was cleaning up the basement yesterday. I thought, oh, these are small. They work on this tiny little desk I have here. This is episode three of Ruminate. Ruminate is a podcast about the opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm Rob Lewis, and with me is my co-host, John Voorhees. Hi, John. Hey, Rob. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks, John. How are you? Oh, good. Doing real well. You've uh, you had a busy couple of weeks, or uh, you you doing all right? Yeah, no, it's been pretty It's been pretty crazy. I was just mostly getting um, Blink ready for launch for iOS 9, and it didn't quite get there. Um I was hoping for to to release kind of the same day iOS nine came out, but um, didn't happen. I didn't get approved by then. But I'm actually kind of glad between all the hubbub with iOS nine reviews and then all the controversy and drama surrounding content blockers. I think it would have gotten lost in the shuffle if it were last week. So it's coming out next Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so talking of uh, content blockers, I think we uh, it was either last show or, or possibly episode one we talked about uh, how that how ad blockers are actually going to differentiate. Um, and Marco Arment released piece on uh, which is his content blocker. He released that on the on the launch day of iOS nine, um, and that uses <coughs> uh, Ghostery's database. I think we we spoke about Ghostery before. Um, so the database is quite small. Um, piece loads very quickly, which we now added this to the show notes a few days ago. And since then, he has pulled the app. Um, he came to the conclusion that he he wasn't comfortable with it um, after a lot of discussion, which we're not going to get into today. Um, but we'll put some links in the show notes for Marco's posts, um, both the launch post and then the one where he's where he's pulled it, um, so that people can go and have a look at that if they haven't heard about it somehow. Yeah, right, right. No, it's a, it was obviously a big topic of discussion um, from Wednesday on, and I think yeah, there's a lot of drama about it. But I think one thing that it pointed out, which was interesting to me, was that. I think people finally started recognizing, which we talked a little bit about, I think, in the past episode, that this is not really so much a black and white issue. And I think the thing that ultimately pushed Marco to pull it was that um, he wasn't comfortable with blocking all ads um, because that throws out the good with the bad. Um, some people, I suppose, want to block all ads, but I think you and I are both, at least I know I am, of the opinion that all I really want to block are the trackers, the pop-up video ads, the stuff, the real junky junk stuff, not everything. Um, and uh, I think one of the reasons he pulled it was because it was blocking everything and hurting the people who did tasteful ads along with the people who uh, were doing junky ads. So he, he decided it wasn't worth the uh, the hassle and he pulled it. Yeah, it's also shown up um, because of the the discussion around it obviously a lot of the the news sites are posting articles about it and we're getting this kind of funny crossover where they're they're saying oh ad blockers are bad or, or they're good or whatever and people visit these sites on their mobile on their iphones and things and the sites are just completely unusable um i mean the verge had you know an article that was kind of like welcome to the end of the web and things like this and there was a huge ad at the top of the page that was like 500 pixels taking up you know half the page or something on to uh to view the article so it's just kind of shown up um even more so how bad some of the ads have got um 
was one more thing. Uh, Crystal, which we also spoke about, was a, an ad blocker, and the developer had originally claimed that it would have a premium price at launch, um, and then iOS 9 launched, and he made it free, um, and was interestingly asking for uh, direct donations via PayPal uh, instead of, of charging for the app. Um, but he's actually changed that now and, and is uh, charging. And as we, uh, as of today, he's actually number one uh, in the app store. Oh, is he? Yeah, I, I I had seen that he was going to charge a premium price for it. And I, and I saw that he launched as free. I didn't realize he was um, suggesting PayPal donations originally. Um, yeah, I, to me, that's just, that's just marketing, right? To me, that's, um, he, he was trying to get on, he knew there'd be a lot of, uh, ad blockers on the app store day one, which I think has proven to be true. And there are a lot of them. Um, and he was just trying to get on the top of the heap, uh, top of the heap before he started charging money. So he'd get some, um, you know, get a little momentum going and, and be there at the top of the chart when people went and looked for an ad blocker. I mean, that's, seems to me that's what was going on there yeah i mean maybe you can tell me uh you might know better if if an app goes from free for example say it's kind of number one in free and then changes to paid do those downloads kind of affect the chart position when it switches to paid do you know or you know that's a good question i i really don't know um i assume that the that it would have some impact but you know it, what impact is anybody's guess? Um, I don't know. You know, no one really knows for sure how the chart algorithms work, but um, I don't know what switching from one category to the other does, whether it just drops you entirely um, to the bottom of the list or whether there's some crossover in terms of your ranking in one category versus the other. I assume that it has an effect or otherwise um, he, you know, I, I think once he went paid, he stayed fairly high in the charts, didn't he? I mean, I haven't been following this stuff super closely, but it, my sense was that when he turned on the dollar cost, it didn't make have any have a big impact. Well, yeah, I'm not really sure because um, obviously all, all the time Peace was in the app store, the two that I saw at the top were Peace and uh, OneBlocker in the UK. Uh -huh. uh, and I didn't see Crystal in the charts at all, either free or paid. Um, but as soon as Peace got, uh, pulled crystal was straight at the top of the charts and as far as i know it, it's it still is now so well i think the takeaway rob is that neither one of us knows what we're talking about when it comes to this so <laughs> we probably ought to move we probably ought to move on yeah it's something um a little bit more interesting because let's be honest i think we've all had enough of content blockers this week um you had nando's john I did. I had Nando's, I guess it was a couple of weeks. It was right after our last recording, a couple of days after. Um, I saw that you had posted that you were going, I think, what was it, the um, the day of the day before the uh, the Apple announcement? Maybe you were going there for your anniversary with your girlfriend? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I saw you posted on Twitter. I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's a Nando's that opened in Chicago, and I didn't. I, it turns out there are three of them, um, but there's only one that's near downtown where I work. And I had walked by it a few times. The west side, west side of Chicago has really become the um, epicenter for new and interesting restaurants. Uh, and it's a really neat area. Google's opening offices there. I think Twitter's marketing, some of their marketing team is out there. Um, it's kind of the, the, um, the hot place to be right now in Chicago. And there's tons of good restaurants. And I'd walked by Nando's a number of times over the summer. I think it opened in the spring. Um, and I, someone had told me that this was a big thing in the UK and it was, and that it was really good, but I didn't really know what they were talking about. And then you and Graham Spencer, um, who's from Australia, uh, were telling me I had to go. So I did. 
we actually me and you had had nando's simultaneously um you were there at your life i figured we yeah i figured it was pretty close because it was uh with a six hour time difference right uh yeah well you were there what kind of midday and and me and my girlfriend had gone uh just after work so yeah it was about six o'clock here so yeah we we simultaneously had nando's even if even if we weren't actually together in the same restaurant yeah, I, I don't think you, um, your girlfriend would have appreciated if we had done a FaceTime or something and had like a three-way dinner together, <laughs> dinner uh, lunch. Probably not. I don't think I would have got that past her. Because <laughs> <laughs> bear in mind, of course, I'd already, uh, the Apple event, this is the second year that it's fallen on our anniversary. Um, but I mean, she's great. She let me watch it anyway. Um, you know, it's the second year it's happened. Hopefully it won't happen again next year. <laughs> I couldn't understand why she wouldn't want to have like an international transatlantic third wheel come on her date. I mean, come on, really. I mean, I'm I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure you are, John. I'm sure you are. <laughs> so, how was your Nando's? Did you enjoy it? Uh, what did you go for? It, yeah, it was it was excellent. I had um, I had the these chicken. I had a chicken breast with the hot sauce on it and chips. And in the menu in the U.S., they it's it says chips, but it does say in parentheses French fries. Just in case no one knows what that is, um, though I think they're doing that to confuse everyone a little bit by the sounds of it. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. No, it was good. It was really. I I enjoyed it. Um, I'm definitely going back. Uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks. We're at the point in the year in Chicago where I feel like I have to get out and go to these places more often because it's. If I walk there, it's probably about I don't know half a mile, three quarters of a mile from where I work. Um, so it's a little bit of a walk and once the snow flies it's not a lot of fun i have to actually cross uh, one of the main highways that uh, runs through chicago uh, and the going over that overpass in the middle of the winter when there's snow in the ground is awful so there's this long period in the winter where i don't get out as much um so i'm trying to do that this fall yeah yeah so so what should i try next i've had just your basic chicken with uh, hot sauces or something in particular you think i should try um oh well i mean for anyone who hasn't seen the nando's menu it's pretty much just chicken um you've, you've yeah. kind of got uh, burgers I, I assume the menu is very similar to how it is over here you've got kind of chicken burgers or uh chicken wrap um i mean it for the most part it's all the same i mean if you've had it once it, it is what it is um but it's always is there, is there a particular i'm sorry is there a particular sauce you like uh you like the hot the, i think there's even a hotter than the hot there is, yeah. I th- they do a an extra hot one as well. I, I always go for the medium. Um, the hot is a little bit too hot for me. Um, but I normally go for medium chicken and just uh, chips and maybe the garlic bread. Um, or sometimes I just go for double chips, depending on what I'm feeling like. So, yeah, no, it was it was definitely spicy. Um, I guess we should explain a little bit more what Nando's is for people who don't know, and people in the U.S. probably don't because I think it's in Chicago and maybe Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area, and a couple other places, but most of the country doesn't have it. Um, it's just it's uh, grilled marinated chicken. They, I think they say they marinated for 24 hours. Is that right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Right, and then they have various sauces um, of spiciness that, that you can put, have on it, and they have chips and the other things that Rob mentioned. Um, did it? Do you know if it started in the U.K.? I know it's in the U.K., it's in Australia. I don't know where else. I'm not sure... They, they claim to be a Portuguese, uh, I think it's Portuguese, I'm sure it's Portuguese, uh, they claim to be Portuguese, but I don't know whether it actually started uh, in Portugal or whether um, that's kind of just a branding thing. Um, but I know we've had Nando's in the UK for probably eight or ten years now, um, 
So, and it seems to just be, they seem to be obviously expanding in the US so that everyone can enjoy it. I'm going to pause you for a second and check out Nando's because I'm pretty sure it says it's African. Isn't it? I, I, you know, I've no idea. I could have sworn it was Portuguese. I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to get you in trouble with everybody in the UK, Rob. No, it says home of the legendary Portuguese flame grilled popo chicken. Um, so I think that's probably enough about uh, food for, the, for uh, this week. Um, the iPhones, John, what have you, have you ordered a new one or uh, are you still waiting on that? I know you were saying you were going to probably get up and uh, get some for your boys. Um, I did. I did. I mean, um, Owen was due for a refresh and my youngest uh, has never had a phone and I, he's turning 13. So, and he's in middle school where everybody has a phone. So got him one. Um, they got sixes, successes. Um, I got up at 2 AM central time to order those, which was awful because then I had to be up at six 30 that day too, to take another one of my kids to some standardized, standardized testing. Um, so that was kind of a, a, tired day for me. I, I ended up going for going plus club this time. I'm getting the success plus and I'm going all the way up to the 128 gig storage. So going for the, the, the real big daddy phone. Um, I'm not going to get mine this week. It's going to be a little while. I had to order it through work. I tried to use the, um, the Apple upgrade program, but it's not available on corporate accounts. Basically they, 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 they rig the corporate account. So you can't order your phone in any way other than through the corporate account, which means I couldn't convince the guy, the it guy at work to get up at 2am to order my phone. So, um, <laughs> not that, I, not, not that I exactly tried, uh, but he ordered it first thing Monday, but by Monday there was already a three to four week wait on that model, which surprises me. I'm going to keep tabs on that because I suspect that that's not really going to be true. Um, I wouldn't think that, that, that is a, I mean, I think the, 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 uh, plus is a popular phone, but I think at the higher storage capacities, they probably can fulfill those a l- little faster than they can if some of the more, you know, the, uh, 64 gig and that sort of thing. Um, but otherwise it might not be here until mid October or so, which, uh, you know, feels awful now, but it's only a few few extra weeks. Yeah, I assume the uh, the ones you ordered for uh, the boys are coming on launch day. Yeah, they should. I ended up ordering them through the AT and T site. It was just easier because it, they were being added to an existing family plan, um, and they don't AT and T doesn't do nearly as good a job of giving you tracking information. Um, but that, so I, I ordered them through AT&T and hopefully they'll be here kind of day and date as well. I went with the six plus mainly, I guess for two main reasons. One is the battery and the second is the camera. Um, and, but the battery is probably the biggest one. I do everything on my phone and you know, I've, as I've said in past episodes, I've got a commute, both walking and, um, and on a train. Uh, and so I use my phone a lot in the morning and in the evening and I, I'm very good at burning through my 5S battery. I can get it down below 50% in just about an hour and a half commute. Um, so having a bigger battery is going to be key for me, I think. How about you? You, uh, I think you ended up going with the 6. So uh, what was your thinking on that? <clears throat> yeah, so I I was looking at the prices because um, I buy um, just unlocked uh, SIM-free. So I can have like, right. a nice cheap contract. I think I pay something like £10 every month. Um, unlimited data. That's and nice. Enough, enough, <laughs> Yeah, it's unlimited data and enough kind of phone calls and texts that I need. I think I use about three text messages a month since iMessage has come out. So, you know, texts aren't so important. Right. And I was looking at the prices and it's kind of an 
80, I think it's about 80 or 90 pound difference between um, the 6 and the 6S, kind of the equivalent models, the 64 gig. Um, and to be honest, my, my, my 5S, the battery was unbearable at this point. Um, and I thought, you know, I can, I can probably save 80 quid. Um, I got about, I think I got 250 quid for my phone and my old iPad that I don't use. Um, you know, so I, I really hadn't paid too much, um, you know, and it meant I got it kind of within two days of ordering it. Um, and it, it, it's great. I mean, I'm not, not too worried about kind of 3d touch. Um, I know the, you know, the process is a little bit faster and things like that, but for the most part, um, you know, I'm really happy. I don't have to charge my phone during the day. Um, yeah, I was going to say, how's the battery been after, uh, I mean, cause you, you, how long have you had, had you had your 5S? Uh, it was about two years. Yeah, that's about the length of time I've had mine too. And my battery is just shot. It's just been charged and recharged too many times and just doesn't hold it like it used to. Yeah. Funny, funny thing happened actually. The, the, my six turned up, uh, I guess two days after the keynote. Um, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd shared my home screen for, uh, for Mac stories weekly, uh, which is now the Mac stories club. Um, and the email went out and I'd shared my home screen from my 5S. By the time that email went out, I'd already had my 6 and everything had changed um, on my home screen. Yeah. It was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like everybody's like, oh, Rob has an old phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a giveaway when you have the smaller screen because I was on the, I had my home screen on there few months ago too yeah the one thing i forgot to mention about the six plus two one thing i think that one reason i got it uh, and i think i can deal with it being a bigger phone is i don't pull my phone out nearly as much when i'm on the go as i used to for a couple of reasons one is the apple watch because i can get notifications on that and decide whether i need to pull out my phone or not um and and as a result, don't have to do it nearly as often. And the other is Bluetooth headphones, which have been for me, they've been nearly as liberating as as the watch. Um, it's really nice to be able to uh, not have a cord that gets snagged on things and whatnot. So I can just take the phone and drop it in a bag if I'm carrying my bag or whatever, leave it in my pocket, and not have to worry about it at all. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm looking into with uh, wireless headphones. It's a little bit more difficult to find uh, kind of big overhead, uh, you know, over the ear uh, Bluetooth headphones. Um, but I'm, st I'm still looking around and uh, checking some reviews and things like that to kind of work out which one it is that I want. Um, and like you say, I'm hoping, you know, that it will be um, it will be nice to just not have the cable lying there and things like that. So. Yeah, they're getting there. I mean, I, I looked at it first probably a few years ago, and there was just nothing good then, and I didn't buy them. And I only just got them in the past year, and they're, they're not without compromises. I know Marco Arment did a, a review of, I guess he did, his were all over-ear over headphone, Bluetooth headphones, but um, I think the same goes for the in-ear ones. They The sound is not particularly good. You do have to recharge them every maybe two or three days. So what I usually do is I've usually got a messenger bag with me when I'm going to work and I keep a, a backup pair of headphones, just earbuds in my, in my bag in case my, uh, my Bluetooth ones die, but it hasn't been, it's not too big of a problem for me because I can just, when I get to work, I can just plug them in on mini USB and, and charge them up. They, and they hold probably, I, I think most of them are in the six to eight hour range of playback time. So as long as you have, a charger on one end or the other of a commute or whatever your destination is, 
then um, th then the you know, the charging isn't as big an issue. The sound quality for me it's not great, but I'm in a noisy atmosphere anyway. I'm you know I'm either on a train or walking along a, a crowded street, or and a lot of times I'm listening to podcasts, and the sound quality just isn't um, you know doesn't have to be quite as good as it as it does for music. All right, Rob, let's let's move on and, and talk a little bit about the Apple TV. Um, I thought we could hit a couple of um, smaller topics within the Apple TV category kind of in more depth because a lot of people have already talked about the Apple TV, what it does, uh, what it might mean for gaming, what it might mean for um, entertainment in general. But I thought we could hit on some of the more specific topics within that and um, talk about those. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, that sounds good, John. Yeah, like you say, I think um, you know most people are pretty familiar at this point with the the overall aspect of the Apple TV. But uh, yeah, by all means, let's let's jump into uh, some of the smaller topics. Yeah, one one thing I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I guess I'm not terribly surprised, but I know there was a lot of speculation leading into the discussion about whether there would be apps or not on the Apple TV. Was whether there would be uh, whether Plex would show up on the Apple TV, and it turns out uh, Plex has announced that they're working on an app, um, which is interesting. I know you use Plex. Um, were you excited to see this news? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, again, this was something we touched on in the last episode. For me, I, I want something that has all of the apps that I use. You know, Netflix and all of the ones that are already on the Apple TV. But as well, I want things like Plex and, and BBC iPlayer, and, and yeah, I was really excited to um, to see that Plex would be coming. Yeah, what, uh, tell me a little bit more about Plex because I have tried it. Um, I know a lot of people really like it. It didn't stick with me for some reason. I don't think I gave it much of a fair shot. But what do you use it for? Yeah, it's Plex is um, a little bit unusual. I mean, if if you're the kind of person who buys, if you buy all of your content through kind of apple approved channels um you know if you get all your mm -hmm. movies and tv show through itunes the apple tv is great for that because you can stream all of it there's no real problem you know it all just comes from apple servers um but if you get your content from other places you know by amazon video or um you know just the various different kind of resources of places you can get um videos from or if they're not in the right format is the biggest problem i think for the apple tv if they're not in mp4 format you're not going to be able to stream those videos to the Apple TV. Um, so for me, I run Plex on a Mac Mini um, that I'm running as a server. That's got all of my files on it, movies, TV shows, that kind of thing. Um, and th there's two components to Plex. You've got the server component, which um, looks through all the video files, finds all the metadata for you, gets it from INDB and places like that. And then the the second part of it is the actual media player component, uh, the, the client um, which runs, you know, you can run a client on the Mac Mini, or you've obviously got the the iPad and iPhone apps, things like that. Um, so that that's how I use it for the most part. It, I dump all my content on the hard drive. <clears throat> Plex reads it, um, and then I can just watch it through either the Mac Mini or, or I think the Xbox has a client as well, or, or the iPad, things like that. Okay, do you have your Mac Mini hooked up to a television? Uh, yeah, that's hooked up um, in my in my living room to the TV. Um, and for the most part, um, yeah, I use uh, Plex or, or Kodi um, to, to access that media and, and watch it on the TV in the living room. Okay. And Plex, so you just really just point it at a folder basically. And then it, t it goes, it goes through, looks at the files. Um, and I understand you have to have, it, it helps if you name them in a certain way, right? 
Uh, yeah, it it does help. Um, I mean, it will. It really depends where you've got the files from and how they're named. But for the most part, you you want to have the season, the episode, um, the name of the show, and the name of the episode. Um, and Plex will, uh, for the most part, will pick that up, grab the date, grab the um, you know covers and things like that from uh, IMDb and the TVDB, um, and shows all that uh, in the client plan. All right. Well, that's interesting. And and what's what is Cody? I've never actually even heard of that one. So Cody, Cody doesn't have. It, I think Cody used to be uh, Xbox Media Center, uh, which was a a media player for the old original Xbox. Um, you could kind of um, kind of sideload Xbox Media Center onto it and install a you know plug a hard drive in, kind of similar to how Plex works. Um, as it stands, Cody is the new name for it, and Cody doesn't have a server component. Um, it's purely the client player. Um, but again, like Plex, you can just point it at the files, um, and it will just read all those. It's the same as Plex, it will grab all the metadata, things like that. But Cody is just a little bit quicker um, when I'm running it directly on the Mac Mini. Okay, so it has to be on. It actually has to be on the device where the files reside in order to play them. Then, right? Yeah, I do. I think it has access. Um, it can access. Uh, what's the What's the protocol? Is it DN DNLA servers? I think there's a, right. a protocol for the kind of media server. And I think it can access those. Um, but I just use it kind of as a standalone app on the on the Mac Mini. Yeah, no, I remember when they had that for the um, for the Xbox, and I knew that it had been. Uh, is it spun off, or is it a like a like a some sort of community project, open source, or something, Cody? Because I, I I I do recall hearing about that being developed. Yeah, I think it, it's still the same project, and and like you say, I'm pretty sure it is uh, open source, um, and it's you know it's definitely a community project. I think they just renamed it to move it away from having Xbox in the name because it, it evolved you know, much further than that, you know, you can install it on pretty much any machine you can install apps on, you can install Kodi on. Um, so I think they just renamed it to move it away from that brand. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I also saw, um, VLC is coming as well, or at least they're working on an, on an app for the Apple TV, which that, you know, a lot of people like using that too, cause it can handle darn near any kind of media. It, it does a really good job with, um, with strange file types. Yeah, I think that's definitely the advantage to, you know, any of these Plex, Kodi, uh, VLC. You know, if you if you end up with a file, you know, whether it's a home video or, you know, a movie that you've ripped or something like that, as I say, unless it's an MP4 format, the Apple TV just, just won't play it um, out of the box. You do need an app to uh, to be able to play that. So, yeah, you know, VLC is another one that would be great. Um, you know, maybe we'll see some other options that, you know, brand new apps, things like that. Um, but it looks like the Apple TV is shaping up to, uh, to, you know, to really be this kind of hub where it has got access to everything. Um, I mean, the last one really I'm waiting for is uh, BBC iPlayer. I'm really hoping that they, uh, you know, they can pull pull together an app uh, for when the Apple TV comes out. Yeah, I would think that they would for sure. I mean, I, they, I know in the past, I think, hasn't BBC been a little slow at times in getting the apps out? I mean, originally, didn't they have proprietary software that you could... You could download. And they finally they finally got onto the uh, iPhone, you know, onto the iOS devices at some point. I seem to recall that just being BBC was just a little slow to come to it, but then they did a really good job once they got apps on iOS. Yeah, there was definitely um, some problems at the beginning when the iPhone launched and, and the iPad as well. But they seem to have a pretty good team now. Um, they they're fairly active on Twitter and things like that, and that you know they'll reply to 
you know, if you've got a question about BBC iPlayer, because I think there's a couple of places that they're still requiring Flash. Um, and I saw a tweet from one of the uh, developers over there said, you know, they are working on getting rid of that. So it it seems like they're pretty active and, and trying to, you know, serve the needs of, of the people that use it and, and make sure that it, you know, it works as everybody wants it to. Yeah, that's right. That's what, now I remember. I do remember it was like the whole thing was Flash based, wasn't it, at one point? Uh, yeah, that was definitely right. And then I think they, you know, they panicked because of the iPhone and iPad. They kind of really needed to um, to step up and make sure that it was, you know, HTML five so that everyone could access it. Yeah, I, it was interesting. Just from the when I heard when we watched the announcement and they talked about the Apple TV and apps, it was very clear to me listening that they were going to allow all apps. They were going to consider all apps. I mean, obviously there are the app review guidelines, but those as of today, have not changed um, to to um, deal with any specific TV-type apps. Um, that might change since the thing obviously isn't released and isn't coming out until the end of October. But if, if your message is the future of television is apps, um, you're not going to want to say only, only, um, you know, only apps that are designed and, and created by our by our partners like Netflix and HBO. Um, I wasn't terribly surprised that they let these on. Um, there, there may be some issues with particular rules that are developed, but, uh, I think at this point, the message is, you know, everything's open to, um, is open to development. Um, other than the, you know, the, the APIs are a little limited. I mean, I think you and I were talking about this a little before the show, but there, there are, while this is iOS, there are things that are not available. There, you know, photos are not available to developers. I think uh, the calendar and contacts aren't available. There are things that, you, and there are obviously things that just don't work. Like um, touch is not touch. Various touch APIs aren't available because obviously you're not touching your television. Um, they have slightly different, you know, APIs for, for dealing with the uh, the remote and the tapping and swiping on that. Uh, but I, I think other other than those differences, which I think are more, uh, for the most part, more um, related to the actual hardware, I think just about anything is is fair game at this point. Yeah, I think to me they they spoke in the um, in the uh, keynote saying uh, about universal apps. You know, so you can can theoretically have an app that run is you know is one single app bundle that runs on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Apple TV, and that kind of says to me that potentially almost anything that's available on the ios app store um it, it is likely to get approved for the apple tv app store so you know vlc and plex are already on ios um i, I can't see any reason why they would um, block that just for the apple tv component of that right there are there are aspects of it that are going to be hard i mean there obviously there are whole categories that aren't going to work very well i don't think you're going to want to have a text editor in your um in your television because uh, it, you can't, there's no, there's no good way to type. Um, I suppose you can hook up a Bluetooth keyboard. Um, but if you are required to support the, I think you're required to support the, uh, the remote and typing in characters one at a time that way, obviously is, is no good. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. And talking of, um, development, obviously they've, they've sent out, uh, the, the dev kit, they had the dev kit lottery, didn't they? For the, uh, the Apple TV. Um, so, what, what, did, what did you uh, what did you think of that? The the lottery uh, kind of aspect of that. Um, I, I thought it was great. I mean, they they 
you know, there, there was some, there was some uh, speculation that what they did was, uh, they had these ready for WWDC and, um, because the Apple TV wasn't ready, they held them off and, and distributed them now. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I think it's a great way to do it. Um, you know, there's always, it's always a little hard because there's some people who won't get them and there's sour grapes about that. I think sometimes, um, there's always, it's similar to what happens every year when the tickets go on sale for WWDC, you know, everybody's fighting to, for the right to spend thousands of dollars. Uh, and somebody's going to be disappointed because <laughs> they're, they can't, because they can't write their giant check to Apple. Um, that's unfortunately, I mean, that's, that's the way it works. Um, but, and one thing that, the one thing that does bug me a little bit is I, I see this, I saw this a couple of places on Twitter was people arguing that, well, you shouldn't have charged a dollar for it, Apple, you should have charged, you know, $500 for it because then only serious developers would, um, would have access to it. And I, you know, that, that to me is going about the, the issue or the problem from the wrong direction. Um, there, yes, you do want serious developers to be working on the Apple TV and, uh, but they, they painted out thousands of these. And I, I don't think that artificially limiting who has access to it is the best way to get the best and broadest variety of, um, of apps on the, on the, uh, Apple TV. I mean, who's to know there may be someone who's never, never written an app for, um, for the Apple TV and it only has one small app on the, on the iPhone and they've come up with some brilliant new idea that, that no one's thought of, um, and they wouldn't have paid $500 for it. So I, I don't know. I, I that, that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I just think it's the wrong approach. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, you know, like your your son uh, Owen, it, it, you know, he's a he's an iOS developer, um, and I'm assuming that he doesn't have five hundred dollars lying around to buy a development kit. Right. He's probably a more serious. He's probably a more serious developer than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, I, I think, like you say, it's unfair to su- to suggest that uh, you know people should have to pay for it. Um, I mean, it, it, as you say, it seems like they did send out thousands of these because um, I've I haven't seen many people say that they didn't get one um, if they applied to it. I know um, the the guys at Real Mac Software um, didn't get one, but I I would assume that somebody's probably been nice enough to send them theirs if they're not using it or, or something like that. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it seems as though the majority of people who wanted one did get one. Um, and, and of course that's got to, got to be good for the app store, um, and the launch of the Apple TV. Right. There's no doubt that some people who wanted them didn't get them. And there are some very good established developers who didn't get them. Um, but I think they, I think they, that Apple already put enough restrictions on it. I mean, you had to obviously have a developer account. Um, you couldn't like after the fact, after the lottery was announced, um, you know, sign up for a developer account and get your Apple TV that way. And you actually had to have had, a, you have to have an active app on the app store. So, you know, I think those two things are sufficient to limit it to people who are actually quote serious developers and not just people. Cause you know, there it's true that at least historically there have been people, uh, a number of people who sign up for the developer, um, a developer account just so they can get the betas. Now that's not really so necessary anymore because we have the public betas, but there were people willing to pay a hundred dollars just so that they could have, you know, IO, a version of iOS that would break their phone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a hundred dollars does seem a reasonable amount to kind of 
prevent that but there you know there are still people i mean i'm assuming most if not all tech journalists are paying that hundred dollars so that they can get access to the beaters and you know information that maybe they can't get otherwise but as you say i mean if they were limiting it limiting it um to people who actually have an active app in the app store um i mean that that seems perfectly reasonable to me um and you know there's there's still the there's still the simulator is in, in xcode for the apple tv is that right uh, yes, that that is true. You can still develop for it. You have access to the SDK and the tools, uh, the new version of Xcode you need, and there's a simulator and whatnot. So, I mean, obviously a simulator is not as good as the real thing, especially on so- something like a television where you're not really going to know what your app looks like until you see it on a you know, 40, 50 inch TV. But it, it you do have that as a possibility. Um, and, and, you know, going back to people paying a hundred dollars just to get into the, just to get information, um, that, that is not nearly as big a deal as it used to be. I think particularly since most of the, an awful lot of the uh, documentation now is no longer behind, behind the developer wall, the paywall. Um, it used to be that all that stuff was behind there. There was a time when you had to pay hundreds of dollars just to get access to the WWDC videos. Those are all available. So there's a lot of information out there. Um, it'd be interesting to see kind of what the, uh, you know, historically where that's gone in terms of people who, who, um, buy a developer account just, just so they could get information about the upcoming software. Yeah, it's interesting because um, you know the, the Apple seemed to be making some changes to make it easier for people at least to kind of try out um, iOS development now. Like as you say, really that hundred dollars, all that gets you now is access to the betas and um, be actually being able to submit to the App Store. I mean, every, for the most part, everything else, kind of Xcode and things like that, you know, you can sign up for a free developer account and get access to most of that. Um, obviously Xcode's in the Mac app store anyway. Um, so I think that, you know, they're trying to make changes so that people who maybe don't have a hundred dollars lying around can at least try it out to see if it's a viable option for them to, you know, build apps for the iPhone or the iPad. And, uh, obviously now the Apple TV as well. Right. I think a lot of people who haven't been, um, in the Apple developer programs for a long time, don't rec- realize that before the iPhone, uh, signing up for a developer account costs hundreds of dollars. I don't re- recall. There were different levels. I don't recall exactly what they were, but um, you know, it was at least four or $500 to be in the developer, um, to have a de- developer account. And then, as I said, on top of the cost of potentially going to, to WWC, the, the videos were sold separately for hundreds of dollars and came out six months after WWDC. So things have changed a lot. And as I think you rightly point out, you don't, you can, you can start developing without paying even a dollar. I mean, you just download the tools, do things in the simulator, run them on your device. It's only once you want to actually sell an app on one of the stores that you have to have a developer account so you can submit it to the app store. Uh, Rob, one other thing I wanted to mention just briefly is the Apple TV and gaming. And the one thing on this I found kind of interesting in reading various articles is the debate over whether this is a console killer or not. And I think that that's just looking at it wrong from my perspective. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be playing Call of Duty on their on their Apple TV anytime soon. And I don't think that's what it's meant for either. But I do think that once people have the Apple TV and they have access to things like Crossy Road or Fruit Ninja or other ca- somewhat casual touch-based um, games, those 
depending on what kind of gamer they are, they may not then feel the need to ever get an Xbox or a PS4 so, or, or a Wii U. I mean, that's what I, where I think if there's any damage done to the consoles, it'll be people who never buy them in the first place because whatever desire they have for playing games on a television is satisfied by the uh, Apple TV being a good enough solution for them. What do you think? Yeah, I've got um, I've got an Xbox uh, and I've got a PS3, um, and and I think I think you're right. I mean, a game like Call of Duty or you know Grand Theft Auto, something like that. I mean, the the Apple TV just is not going to be powerful enough to run these kind of top end AAA games. Um, and of course, on top of that, um, you've made a note here. You know, you've got controllers. You, you're going to need a controller for something like a AAA game, assuming that it could come out on the Apple TV. So that adds, you know, another $40, $50, something like that. And as you say, I think for the most part, if people are playing games on this, things like Crossy Road and and things like that, that is all people want from gaming. You know, there are a lot of people who who aren't playing the the Call of Duties um, and things like that. They're just quite happy with something like Crossy Road and, and Candy Crush and things like these games that are kind of you can jump in and out of them really quickly um which is you know is is great you know it means there are more people playing games um which can't can't really be a bad thing um but yeah i, I don't think that the the controller issue um is really a problem because i just don't think the apple tv is going to be powerful enough to run games that really require the controller um and and of course apple have been going back and forth on whether you have to re- or can require a controller or not, um, that's still kind of a little bit um, on the edge as to whether that's true or not. So, yeah, it's not clear. I think I think though the, the most recent stories have been that you have to you have to support the um, the remote control, which because it's so basic compared to a controller means um, you know you're gonna that's going to be the lowest common denominator for creating games. I you know if that's the case. I, it's hard to see those controllers taking off at all. I mean, it, it, I suppose it'd be a nice to have thing. And maybe what ultimately will be allowed is that if you can play the game, maybe not play the game well, but just play the game on the remote, that'll be enough. And then you can have, you know, the, uh, the buttons and, and whatnot on the, on the controller can be used to kind of supplement and expand the kind of actions you can take. Although that I think would be very, would be very hard to design. Um, in a way that would be useful on you know on both both types of hardware. Yeah, I think if they're not if they're not, if they're allowing um, you know sorry if they're not allowing games to require a controller, I think that does limit um, rightly or wrongly. I think that does limit the kind of games we're going to get on the Apple TV. Um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see once the App Store comes out and see what controllers are available because I think the biggest problem here is that Apple don't have a first party controller there's no i can't just walk in the apple store and say give me the apple tv controller because they're going to have probably two or three on the shelf and you kind of just pick arbitrarily presumably because presumably they're all going to have kind of similar amount of buttons um and, and so that doesn't give really a good solution for um the kind of person who maybe would want a controller are they going to buy an apple tv for you know two hundred dollars once they've bought a controller or are they just going to go and pick up an xbox right Right. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I um, thought we would maybe close out with one one last topic, and that's hackathons. Uh, I really know very little about hackathons, but I know that you've done a few yourself. Um, what can you tell me about them? I'm just curious, you know, what kind of things you've done and, and why and what the experience is like. 
Yeah, so we have um, a, t- a team is probably a bit of a stretch. Um, there's there's me and and three guys uh, that that are in this uh, kind of hackathon team, um, and we take part in a hackathon called Pub Hack, which is uh, kind of once every uh, six months or so. Uh, there's been uh, four of them, yeah, four of them now. Um, and and Pub Hack is a is an interesting one. Traditionally, kind of hackathons tend to be in kind of a big big hall like you know the hire out hall or something like that and they'll get all the food in and things like that uh pub hack's a little bit different in that we literally get to the pub at eight o'clock in the morning um we get given a theme at nine o'clock spend eight hours building something present it at kind of seven o'clock um and uh yeah and then pub hack whatever pub we're at we're at will you know provide food breakfast lunch dinner that kind of thing um and of course, as the day goes on, we all get pro- progressively more um, slurry because we we've had a few drinks. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I saw I saw the last one you did. Um, I was kind of following along on Twitter, and that was pretty, it looked pretty cool. Do you, do they close down the pub? Do or they have other customers in there? Is it just the uh, hackathon people? Um, it depends. We it, it's happened in uh, two different pubs so far. The first one. Um, they they don't you know they didn't uh, close down the pub or anything like that but you know we, we took over um, you know a significant amount of the pub um, the 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 most recent one uh, we hired out uh, one of the the quite big rooms um, that this pub had um, you know so we just had our own section where we could all you know uh, get on with it and and chat and have a few drinks and things like that. So going in, do you know you know what you're developing for, whether it's the web or some mobile platform or or a PC? Do you know that at least going in? Uh, well, PubHack is um, is pretty good in that they they try and be as inclusive of of everyone as possible. So um, like our team for the most part, most most part, because we're all developers. Um, so we have three developers and and, and a designer, and and um, he's also a front end developer. So we mostly build stuff for the web. Um, but there's been teams that build stuff with um, kind of Raspberry Pis, and uh, there's a couple of teams that do iOS development. Um, and I think somebody used Lego Mindstorms in the in the last uh, pub hack. So it really, it, it you can go in and and just build whatever you want. Um, I mean, there was a team a few year, a couple of years ago, I think that um, they just did a video because uh, they were video um, producers and things like that. So. It's pretty open in terms of um, what you can actually build and, and present. Oh, that's cool. What, what did you build last time? So last time we built, um, oh, God, I won't open it now because it makes a lot of noise. Uh, fair warning if you do click the link in the show notes. Um, we built what we called Knockoffia, um, which is a web, uh, basically a uh, replica of the uh, Nokia 3310. Um, we, we built that in the browser. Um, and within that, we included all of the other uh, web apps that we've built in previous pub hacks. Um, they can all be oh, okay. kind of, it's a little bit hacky, as the name suggests. Um, but yeah, we kind of replicated Snake and Contacts and, you know, you can send text messages from it. Um, Dan will love that because if you actually send a text message from it, it will go to his phone. Um <laughs> even even now it's still hooked up to his phone so um but yeah so we kind of tried to replicate the um the nokia 3310 because the theme was i think it was uh maybe do you know i can't remember the theme i think it was throwback or retro it's some kind of retro thing so we kind of decided to uh rebuild the nokia 3310 uh in the web and th- 
And the sound effects are you, right? <laughs> yes, this, the, the sound effects. Um, we originally were looking for um, the original sound effects, you know, MP3s or something like that. Couldn't find them, so I sat in the pub for probably an hour or so, uh, just recording varying levels of beeps and, and ringtones and things like that. Um, so, yeah, if you if you check out the ringtones, um, that is all, all me, all recorded by me. Yeah. I do recall seeing a couple of funny vines or Instagram videos of you of you recording those. I'll uh, I'll see if I can find one and uh, pop that in the show notes. Okay, no, that's really neat. I, I I should try something like that sometime. I've never done one myself, so yeah, it's good fun. Um, you know, we enjoy it. You know, it can't complain being in the pub all day. Um, Joe, who who organizes it, I mean, she's great. She manages to get everything done. Um, you know, she sorts out all the food and all the tickets and she sorts out the trophies and prizes and things like that. I mean, she does just a, a fantastic job at um, getting everything ready for it. And it's just, just a really, really good day. Cool. Sounds like fun. So I'll um, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, our team's uh, page so you can check out some of the old, uh, the other um, projects we're doing as well as uh, a knockoff. Yeah. Again, fair warning, it is loud. So just, just be That's warned because of that. You're, uh, it's loud. It's because you're loud, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> no, I, I have checked it out. It is pretty neat. It's a neat project, and um, I did. I looked at the uh, uh, the the hackathon webpage one time, and I know there was a lot of interesting stuff on there. So definitely um, check it out if you're interested in this kind of thing at all. Um, you might have to get yourself to Portsmouth sometime to uh, do it with Rob. But uh, there's hackathons all over the place, and they're all, as Rob said, they're all different. Um, so I think it's kind of a cool way to try things out and, and learn some skills. So anyway, um, should we close it out for the day, Rob? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, I don't think we had any feedback this week. Um, but if you do have any, um, you can email us, uh, contact at ruminatepodcast.com. Uh, use the hashtag on Twitter, ask ruminate. Um, so yeah, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at rmlewisuk, and my website is roblewis.me. Uh, John, where can people find you? Um, on Twitter at at John Voorhees, or at my website squibner.com. Uh, and if you enjoy the podcast, uh, please rate us on iTunes. We could use some reviews, and we'd appreciate uh, any feedback people have. So thanks. Okay, thanks, John. I'll uh, speak to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>